Hey everyone, this is Sarah Whaler, host of Interrelate. This is episode 7, where I'll be talking with Sharon Wood, who opens up about her experience being in a polyamorous relationship. She also shares her thoughts on jealousy, what dating other people is like, and the wide variety of arrangements there are in the poly community. I have Sharon with me today. We are covering the topic of polyamory and polyamorous relationships. Um, and so, Sharon, you've been married for 12 years to your husband, David, and you got married in a ceremony, and you can speak to that a little bit more, but to Joanna two years ago. Um, when did you know what you wanted to be in this kind of polyamorous relationship or arrangement? Um, well, I think there's kind of two main questions there and one is when I just decided to become polyamorous and when I decided to form a family relationship with David and Joanna so those are two sort of separate, separate. questions um to answer the first I've been polyamorous for about 16 years okay so um, a while a long time and uh so I decided then um that I wanted to be in relationship with David, but that mm -hmm. I also wanted to be able to have other partners. Mm. Um, <clears throat> Joanna came along much later because they only met about five years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, she, maybe six years ago, and she moved in with us about four years ago. So okay. then there was just, that was a different decision, mm -hmm. obviously, because right. it changed the structure of our relationship. So... Um, as far as Joanna moving in and the two of them becoming partners and having a wedding, right. um, that was sort of a long conversation. Like yeah. a lot of things are in polyamory. It's not an instantaneous aha moment. Right. Um, David had been dating Joanna for probably a couple of years. Mm -hmm. It was clear that they were deeply in love. Yeah. Um, really the impetus sort of came from the two of them when they decided that they wanted to be in partnership and over the conversation of maybe six months, nine months mm -hmm. is when we decided that Joanna would move would in. And then yeah. it was probably about a year after that that David proposed to her and that they had a wedding in yeah. the following year. Right. And so, and how in, in this particular instance, obviously David fell in love with Joanna you were already with David. How did that, how did the sort of interplay happen between you and Joanna? Was it like you out of respect for David and his love or their love for each other? Was it like, yeah, we are in this polyamorous situation and so I'm accepting Joanna into this thing? Or was it like, oh, I love her too? Mm. How does, I mean, how does that work? I would say more of the former in this case. Uh, for the first few years that the two of them dated, I didn't see very much of Joanna at all because she lived um, about an hour and a half from San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And then after that, for some time, she lived even further. About a, th th yeah. a tr job took her to a job um, in the Sierra foothills. So I didn't know her that well okay. um, because most of their dates were in the wine country, mm -hmm. in the foothills. So yeah. I didn't know her that well. Um, what I did know of her, I really liked. She's incredibly yeah. <clears throat> smart and articulate um, and very kind. So at first, I really just sort of loved her as somebody who made 
David so happy. They were so in love. And so that was sort of the beginning. Um, And then it was only after she moved to San Francisco that I got to know her much better. Um, And then... You know, things just grow yeah, as, as, you as they do in any someone. family. Right? Yeah. So yeah, um, it's just sort of a slow process of getting to know her. And then obviously having her move in right. was the real opportunity to, um, you know, just Foster be in relationship that. every day. So, yeah. How do you deal with jealousy in this kind of situation? Do you experience it? How do you channel it? Like- yeah. Um, I think... Obviously, jealousy is natural and happens in any relationship. It happens in polyamorous relationships. It also, of course, happens in monogamous relationships. Um, I experience very little of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think people who aren't polyamorous are sometimes surprised at the sorts of things I might get jealous about. Um, Like what? So people think that... The thought of the two of them having sex together or being yeah. intimate would be the thing that makes me really jealous. Yeah. And it absolutely doesn't. Huh. Um, if I get jealous, it's usually about time or sure. um, if they're doing something that's super fun and yeah, I don't like have the time on. or opportunity, sure. then of course it's sort of the same jealousy you ex- expect, you know, experience when your friends are having fun. So if they go on vacation to Mexico yeah. and are kayaking in these beautiful pictures. I mean, I'm jealous of that, but I'm not jealous of their relationship. Yeah. Just that, you know, oh, I'm at work and they're doing this fun thing. Right. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So it's not as much a physical, a jealousy around the physical intimate relationship so much as just them sharing these experiences together that don't include you. Right. Yeah. And and that sort of jealousy for me is really manageable. And mm-hmm. I also feel like jealousy is an opportunity. Mm. Um, what it requires is sort of more conversation and more connection. So right. if I'm feeling jealous about something, it's typically a sign that there's something that I want. Right, that's um, missing. Right, so you mm-hmm. have to really look at it that way. And so the few times I do, let's say they are on vacation in Mexico right. and I'm feeling like uh, left out, um, then Dave will get home and I will say, hey, yeah. let's go on a trip. And then we plan something fun together. Nice. And so often I sort of feel like it's a sign that I want more connection with David or so we'll make a plan yeah. or we'll talk about it. Um, and I feel like if you're polyamorous, at least, well, for me, you have to take on some responsibility to take care of your partner. And if your partner is feeling jealous, well, what is it that they're missing? How can you reassure them? What are they missing? How can you make them feel better? To to Um, have that open communication around that. Yeah. So that's, that's mostly how we handle it. If you're jealous, you know, speak up about it and then find think of something that will make you feel better and right. work with your partner to yeah. make that happen. Yeah. And in any relationship, I mean, jealousy happens in a non-polyamorous relationship as well. It's always sure. going to be something that's going to crop up. Now, is there some kind of like hierarchy in a polyamorous relationship? I mean, in your case, you were the one married to David. You're the one legally married to him. How does, how is, how does that play <clears throat> out? So there are as many different kinds of polyamorous mm-hmm. relationships as there are people. There are relationship anarchists who refuse to put any kind of label or hierarchy on any relationship. There are, you know, people who 
are in triads and dyads and V. V. Um, what is a V? A V is actually what we are, or what most people okay. call them, call a V triad. V triad. So there Explain are. That. Um, it means that Joanna and I are not sexually involved. Okay. Um, and David is the point of the V. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so that's a V triad. Typically, if all three partners are involved with one another, that might be called um, a triangle or maybe a yeah. V-delta. There wow. are so many oh different terms. Fascinating. And everybody does it differently. Yeah. So as far as hierarchy goes, um, a lot of polyamorous people, those by no means all, um, have this concept of a primary partner. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people have a single primary partner and then date other people outside that relationship. Is that called a secondary? Is that like... Right. So you I've could call the person before. a primary, your partner a primary, and mm-hmm. other people secondary. Some people don't like those terms because yeah. it's too hierarchical. Okay. Um, some people do like those terms because they feel safety in the primary mm. relationship. So right. everybody does it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that I was David's primary partner for many years, and now... I suppose I would say that Joanna and I are co-primary partners. Hmm. The language is really awkward. There's yeah. no word for or word that I like for my relationship with Joanna or the relationship for the three of us. Yeah, I, we tend to just call each other like each other's family. Yeah, that's nice. Like our family is coming, or yeah. Um, but uh, for the relationship bet- between me and Joanna. We've talked about it. We've joked about it, mm-hmm. that we're sister wives. But, of course, that has sort of a <laughs> creepy connotation. But um, it's kind of accurate. Some, uh, one, one term that might be used is co-wife. Okay. Um, one word that I've seen in print but never heard anyone use is wife-in-law. Okay. So hmm. I, I think of her as family, sister, partner of my partner, but mm-hmm. there's no good like term one, for it. One word. Yeah, interesting. Um, You touched upon this a little bit, but in general, it it does take a lot to be in a relationship with one person to kind of maintain that sense of love. Um, And then, like, add to that living together. How does that work with three people in a synergistic way? I'm sure it's not always synergistic, but, like, what's the structure like at home? Um, or maybe beyond the structure. I mean, how how do how does it work? Do you make meals for everyone, or do do you divide and conquer the housework? Yeah. Like, we yeah we do divide and conquer. We live. It's it doesn't. It's become so normal to me. Mm-hmm. It's almost hard to describe right. how it works because it world. doesn't feel any different. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have a lot of like r- rules or structure. Mm-hmm. I cook a lot. Right. Um, because I love to cook, cook. but Joanna also loves to cook. Mm -hmm. David has to do a lot of dishes because whoever doesn't cook has to wash the dishes typically. And that's, so David does a lot of the cleaning. Joanna and I do a lot of the cooking Mm -hmm. and sort of making things beautiful in the home and making the home. And, um, Dave gets stuck with cleaning the laundry room and that sort of thing. So we don't really have any formal structure. Mm -hmm. It's just whoever cares the most about having a clean environment environment will clean whatever needs to be clean sure um uh it's 
I would have to say one sort of unexpected perk is that sometimes I come home and like Joanna's cooking and I walk home and on Tuesdays when I get home very late and you know there's dinner on the table and it's actually really nice to have three people often to deal with to manage that to deal with things yeah yeah what are what are some of the challenges that you find that have that arise as a result of this situation I think in many polyamorous relationships, um, time is mm-hmm. always the limiting sure. factor. Yeah. There, there's a saying among many people, you know, that, that love is infinite, but time is not. So that will always sort of limit how much time you have with somebody. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the major challenge that, you know, a few weekends may go in a row where I don't get to spend very much time with my husband either because he's working one weekend and then may go away with Joanna one weekend. Um, So I think that's the major challenge, just comparing calendars. We're all very busy. There are things we want to do all together. There are things we want to do alone, um, things we want to do with David. So um, the challenge often just comes down to to scheduling. Um, Other than that, I would say just daily... um, challenges around the house that any partner whether it's two people or three or four or a big family of just house organization who wants to do what who wants where we want to keep the spatulas um how we what artwork we hang over the couch so we Mm -hmm. you know that sort of thing there's you know one extra person to like make those decisions so that means more conversation but um yeah is there conflict or how do you deal with conflict there's so little conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we deal with it? The best way to deal with it, um, which is not 100% the way we do deal with it, is for yeah. all three of us to sit down together and talk about it. Um, where we would get in trouble and what has happened or what happened earlier in the relationship is if I had a complaint or, you know, um, hurt feelings, I will tell David because right. I'm closest to him. Sure. And Joanna would have the same tendency yeah. because we're both so close to him and he is such a good listener. But if information between Joanna and me gets filtered mm-hmm. through David, that's not a good thing. Like right. he does his best, but he doesn't communicate with a lot of nuance. And of course, face to face, we, Joanna and I, have a just much stronger relationship. Mm-hmm. And so that's really the important that thing is that we sort of don't complain about one other. other person in a triad to the other person. For sure. It's so much better to just sit down and then you see people's faces and you mm-hmm. feel their feelings. And um, so that's really, I don't have a better answer than no, that, that for how sense. we deal with conflict. And the amount of conflict is just surprisingly low. I feel like less than in any monogamous relationship I've ever had. Wow, that's cool. Um, And in terms of living together, obviously given the sort of the V triad dynamic or setup, how do you, what's the bedroom situation like? Like, do you alternate alternate bedrooms, sleeping right. nights that you share with David, or how does that work? So, um, in our house, we have a bedroom that we call my bedroom, okay, and a bedroom that we call Joanna's bedroom. Mm-hmm. 
um, in terms of practical things like, oh, where does this belong? It belongs in Sharon's bedroom. Um, so David likes to joke that he commutes between the two. So um, unfortunately, David does not have his own room. I wish he did mm-hmm. so we could put all of his things in there right. and that he would have his own space. <laughs> um, but he actually loves our living room the best because it has the best view right. in the house and is very spacious and he's been resistant to getting a, his own bedroom. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so we have okay. two bedrooms between the three of us. And he gets closet space wherever there's available closet space. Yes, which is a challenge in our house. Since yeah. it's an old Victorian, most of his clothes are in Joanna's room and most of his music gear is in my room. Okay, that's a good split. And, yes, we're always trying to... Joanna and I are both more organized than he is, so yeah. we're always trying to wrangle his stuff into our small spaces right yeah I can imagine that's a challenge um we talked a little bit about the pros and cons of or I don't know if there are pros to jealousy but what would you say are the pros and cons of polyamory starting with let's start with the cons well I think it depends very much on who you are. Mm-hmm. I think there are some people who have obviously have no interest in polyamory and don't feel suited for it. So their cons would be, the list would be too long to mm-hmm. to list. So I, it's not for everybody. Um, so I can only speak to my own experience. But the cons, I would... That, me, that you experience. The con that, the, you I know, would say the only the major con that I experience is sometimes not having as much time with David mm-hmm. as I would like. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also say that it's sometimes a pro. Like, I am a very independent person and a very busy person. If you're the type of person who wants to do everything with your partner and have them by your side right. for most things that you do, then this obviously would not work for you. So um, there are many things I like about having more time mm-hmm. to myself, but a con is... I want to go on vacation, right. let's say, in September. And maybe that's the only time Joanna can go on vacation as well. Right. <clears throat> so, um, or there might be, you know, evenings I want to spend with him and he has other commitments. So, for me, that's the major mm-hmm. downside um, of being yeah, polyamorous. Sure. And then the pros, which you touched upon a little bit, but what would you say are the primary positives to this arrangement? I think um, one of the things that I love is that I can have, obviously, outside relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, I have had romantic relationships with other people through most of my marriage, you know, off and on, but Mm -hmm. mostly I have. Um, And I really enjoy it. Um, There's a thing in polyamory that we call... NRE or new relationship energy, mm. which is when you're dating someone who's new and someone new is always fun right. or not always, but it can be really exciting. Um, and so I enjoy that aspect a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy that a lot of people who have been our boyfriends and girlfriends and lovers have sort of become part of our extended family yeah. and we have them in our home a lot mm-hmm. and... Um, it just sort of feels like we've created this extended family. Um, so there's just a lot of love mm. in our lives. There's a yeah, lot of people that nice. we love and that love us. Um, so for me, that's a major pro. Yeah. 
as well as you get different things from different partners. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, I love David, but you know he's one man. There's there's right. obviously we know that no single partner can fulfill every need that someone has. For sure. So, um, you know, I enjoy the opportunity to have other relationships. Um, I enjoy seeing David happy in other relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He very much values his freedom and he's very extroverted and likes yeah. to explore and play and meet other people. Yeah. Um, and so he has more energy than I do. He's extremely extroverted. And so I enjoy seeing him um, go out and enjoy relationships with other people. There's a term uh, that is often used in polyamory called compersion. Hmm. And compersion is the joy you feel hmm. in seeing someone that you love love someone right. else. That's in- which is kind of the opposite of the jealousy. It's the opposite yeah. of jealousy is often how it's described. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. Um, so that's a pro. Yeah. There, there are so many. Yeah. But a lot of them are sort of like, you know, small and silly, like... Last night he slept with Joanna so I could lay in bed and watch the Great British Baking Show. Right. You know, like, um, <laughs> there are so many, and sure. some of them are, are big, like having lots of love in your life, and mm-hmm. some are small, like, you know. Being, ha- yeah, I guess I was going to say being able to date other people, but that's, yeah. that's not small. That's, yeah. Yeah. Um, would you say this relationship is unique from other polyamorous relationships? How does it differ? How is it similar? Well, I do feel like every polyamorous mm-hmm. relationship is so different. Some people, there are so many different ways to structure it. Some people have don't ask, don't tell rules. Mm-hmm. Some people only date people, let their partners date people who live in other cities mm-hmm. so that it's not too close to home. Some people have primaries. Some people only play as a team, as they right. call it, so yeah. uh, date as a couple. So there is no typical at all. Okay. I will say um, our relationship is not unique and that we all live together and that Joanna and I are co-primaries. I will say it's fairly unusual. Hmm. It's more common for people to be partnered, have a primary, and date other people, or perhaps not be partnered and date multiple people. So the structure of our relationship, the fact that we all live together right. and are in what we hope to be a lifetime relationship together and have both had you know, wedding ceremonies and, yeah. and that we're really in it for life and for family. That is, um, and again, the fact that we all live together right. is fairly unusual, huh. um, but certainly not unique. Right. Yeah. Um, so you're free to d- date other people. Have you ever fallen in love with someone else besides David? Um, and like, what is the risk of that? If you met someone and you're just like, Wow this is flipping the script for me? Um, so um, I have dated other people. I mm-hmm. would say I have loved most of them. Okay. Um, in love, madly in love, maybe with a few of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never wanted to be partnered with any of them. Okay. Um, and I think part of that is that obviously I am partnered and want to keep that partnership. Um, but also the people I date may not be available sure. for partnership. Often they're married, yeah. have other partners. Um, I may 
you know, be wildly in love with them, but really realize they're not a suitable partner right. for me because right. Which is for whatever reason. Thing. Yeah, partnership is different than being yeah. madly in love. Yeah. So I have been in love with other people and mm-hmm. it's awesome. And I think the challenge is that when you're in that new relationship energy is to just keep your priorities straight. Mm-hmm. Like it's easy to get swept away and you want to enjoy getting swept away sure. to some extent. But I think you also have to remember how important the partnership is and nurture that right. as well and right. just really be mindful about that. Um, right. and you know, that. and there is always a risk, of course. I mean, I could meet someone tomorrow that I decide is my soulmate and partner and want mm-hmm. to be with them forever. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm 50 years old. I've been with David mm-hmm. for 16 years, 17 mm-hmm. years. Um, I love him. I want to be in partnership with him. Um, so I think it's not not that there's no risk, because there is, but I feel like there's the same risk in monogamous relationships. Sure. People break up. So yeah. Um, yeah, so I think the challenge of falling in love is just keeping your priorities straight, even if you're a little swept away. Um, just understanding that. Yeah, yeah, and keeping in mind what's important, keeping your priorities straight. Right, right, for sure. Um, does David date other people? I'm, I'm assuming the polyamory extends to all three of you. Sure, yes. To what extent do they, does David, or do David and Joanna date other people? Uh, they both do. They both do. Um, mm-hmm. We all do. Yeah. Um, how does it differ from, from how you approach it, if at all? How does what differ exactly? The, the way they date? The, yeah. Are there differences between the, how the three of you date? Yeah, I think there is. Um, and they're not hard and fast, but mm-hmm. um, David tends to date slightly fewer other people mm-hmm. because he has, he has two wives. He has his hands full. He's busy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he has two women in his life that he has to sort of help fulfill our emotional needs to the extent that, you know, it's his responsibility to do that. So he does not go on a ton of dates, but he definitely goes on some. Mm -hmm. And, uh, actually his, he has a, an occasional sweetie Mm -hmm. who lives in across on the East coast and she was just in town. And I just saw her yesterday because she came by the house before she went to the airport. Mm -hmm. So he saw her a few times while she was in town. Um, and, you know, he met someone on, he's more likely to meet someone out in the real world. He'll meet someone at the okay. gym or last month he had a date with some woman he met at a bus stop and wow. relationship didn't go anywhere, but like it was fun for him to meet someone new. Yeah. So, huh. um, Joanna also goes on date. She tends to date more people in our circle of friends, mm-hmm. um, who are also polyamorous um, so they tend to be people that we know mm-hmm. and and love and are just sort of around and in our communities on average. That's yeah. who she dates. Um, she dated, uh, I'm going to leave that part out for her privacy. Okay. Um, I <laughs> tend to meet guys online yeah. and date them and uh, have and, dated yeah. so, the one that I'm dated the longest. I've dated for five and a half years. Oh, wow. And met him online five and a half years ago. Hmm. Um, so I tend to have tend to have fairly casual relationships with guys I see 
every few weeks or every month. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, but it just varies on who, who happens to come into my life. But yeah. So our dating styles are a little bit different, but we all... You all partake in the, yes. in the option that's available to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to ask a question about that. but um, So how do, would you guys consider yourselves to be... Um, I was going to say monogamous. Sorry, it's the end of the day and I'm <laughs> trying. Heterosexual, like within that? I'm, I, I mean, us? like, ha- yeah, like, because of this V triad, is it, do you date women as well as men? Does yeah. David date men as well as what? Like, how does that whole, I mean, how would you guys define your sexuality beyond um, the polyamory, uh, if at all? Right. So I wouldn't want to speak for them mm-hmm. exactly, okay. but I will say they both date men and women. Okay. And I date mostly men and occasionally women. Yeah. So, um, I would say we're all in, on some spectrum of mm-hmm. heteroflexible to bisexual mm-hmm. um, to varying degrees. Yeah. So, and, and what would you say are the differences between dating men and women? I don't have a good answer for that because mm-hmm. I haven't dated that many women. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say I've dated one woman in the last five years. Okay. And she was great. Um but I sort of feel like if I compared, I'd be comparing to what one. it's like to date her exactly um, yeah. to dating men. So, and I don't think that's a fair comparison. I mean, mm-hmm. it was great dating her, um, but I don't have a yeah. good answer for that. Yeah, but given that you dated just one woman in the past five years on the spectrum, probably you would fall more on the hetero side of. The I would. Spectrum. Yes, I mean, if you um, that. consider that there's a, is it was it Kinsey who came yeah. up with the scale from mm-hmm. one to seven. Um, some people, including my husband, have an issue with that scale and What's think that issue? I'm sure I'm going to butcher uh, his explanation, but I think he feels that on that scale, if you at one end is heterosexual, one end is homosexual, and then in the middle, you're sort of equally attracted to both or maybe mm-hmm. less attracted to one or the other. I think he thinks that being in the middle suggests that you might be less attracted mm-hmm. to the people on the ends. And he oh. considers himself fully attracted to both women and to sure. men. So there's okay. something about the continuum that he feels doesn't accurately represent oh, that's how he feels. So, but, but I did he... not do a very good job of explaining that. Okay. Yeah, that's fine because based on that – He's suggesting that the scale is indicating that one who falls in the middle wouldn't be attracted to extremely gay people. Is that maybe? But that's I. I feel like people are on the spectrum, but it doesn't matter who you would be attracted to, right? Based anyway, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> that could be a whole nother episode. Yes, it we'll is. We'll save that it for is. another episode but, because that's fascinating. Yeah. But um, did you have anything else to add to that? No, I don't yeah. think so. Okay. Yeah, I was just going to say that we're all... On a spectrum. All on... And yeah. all definitely open to sexual relationships with yeah. with people of all genders, Very. intergender. Yeah. Um, we, yeah, I think we're all 
three of us, at least to some extent, sapiosexual, which means mm-hmm. we're attracted to people's like intelligence and right. minds. We all like smart people, mm-hmm. um, especially me. That's sort of my fetish. So, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> if you have a sexual fetish, I do. I that do. Like it. this guy I dated with his, yeah. you know, PhD from Oxford. Right. And he's very hot. Um, yeah. So yeah. So yeah, that's cool. We're all roughly bisexual, and we all date. Yeah. Different yeah. people. Cool. So what what advice would you give someone who is curious in exploring this, um, is threatened by it? Um, yeah, like what, what advice would you give to someone listening who, who is curious? I guess really just learn more about polyamory. There's obviously, mm-hmm. you know, resources online. The best-known book um, that a lot of people read about polyamory that came out many years ago, I'm going to say more than 20 years ago, is a book called The Ethical Slut. Um, That is the first book that many people will point you to if you want to learn about um, polyamory. So I think Mm -hmm. learning about it's important. I think it's great if you can talk to people who are polyamorous. My... One of the reasons that I'm willing to talk in public about being polyamorous is not because I think it's so awesome and everyone should do it because I don't. Um, I don't think it's any better or worse than being monogamous, but I do feel like a lot of people don't know that it's an option or don't see how Mm -hmm. it could possibly work. And so I became polyamorous only after I had met a married couple that was, and then met some Mm -hmm. other people who were polyamorous through them and it had just never occurred to me as a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really needed to see it sort of modeled for me right. so I would have a sense that it could work. Right. So um, I would suggest talking to people who mm-hmm. are. Sure. Certainly if you know people in your life, that's best. But I'm sure you can also make contact and ask questions right. online. Right. I'm sure there are lots of communities Community, where yeah, you can learn sure. more. So... Um, uh, other than that, I don't know if I have any suggestions. Mm-hmm. Um, other than like, be honest with yourself if if it if this is something that really might work for mm-hmm. you. Some people, right. you know, really like being having their partner's attention mm-hmm. all the time. Some right. people do really struggle with jealousy. Yeah. Some people just have absolutely no interest in pursuing other relationships, and that's fine. So, um, you know, I would hate for people to think of it as a goal. I certainly don't think of it sure. as a goal. I want people to see it as a possibility and just learn about it. And it is so varied. That's what I want people to know as well is that there's so many different ways to structure relationships. So if you learn more about polyamory, you learn more about just the different ways people have relationships, the triads and the Vs right. and the um, you know people who date as a group and... Um, so I think people should learn about the breadth of possibilities mm-hmm. and maybe see which of them might appeal to them if they're interested in it at all. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Awesome. Well, thank you, Sharon. This was great. This was really good to, to learn about your story and how how polyamory, how polyamory works for you and, and your advice for other people who may want to explore. Um, if anyone reads, re- wants to reach out to you, or you, do you want to share um, your contact information? Totally fine. If not, maybe we will leave that out. We, 
up to you. Maybe we'll leave it out for now. Okay. I have to think about that. Totally fair. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you. It was good talking to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a comment and be sure to check us out on social media, on Instagram at Interrelate Podcasts, on Facebook and Twitter, and head over to our website at interrelatepodcast.com. See you next week.